Good morning. The scripture today is from Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12 to verse 16. Philippians 3, verse 12 to 16. If you can do me a favor, at Seven Mile Road Mall, then we all stand together for the hearing of God's word. Could you do that with me? Make me feel at home for a second. Philippians 3, 12 to 16. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. You can take a seat. Good morning, Seven Mile Road, Melrose. Um, it's a great privilege and opportunity to actually be here this morning, and you do not understand what a gift this is to me as a preacher, because for the last four months, I have been preaching to a camera. It's like a basketball player not getting to shoot hoops. I've been preaching to a camera this entire time, and now you are inviting me into a physical place with physical human beings where I can make eye contact with you and just get some feedback, and I get to preach God's word to you. So thank you for that gift. Love that we have both Melrose people here and Malden people here. Just feels like one big happy family. Um, now, I know a bunch of us are joining us online and that under different circumstances, you would be right here with us gathering together as the people of God. Um, but I want to just thank you guys and just thank God for technology, that we get to maintain a spirit of unity even though we have this season of physical distance. Um, and also, just a quick word to the kids. Some of you are here. Kids. Kids online. Um, love that you guys are joining us on a regular basis. I love that. It's so cool that you guys have the Bible open uh, next to you on your lap, you're, you're taking notes, you're, you're doodling on a sheet of paper, maybe you're even running around the house, who knows, but you're here with us, and I love that. And I want you guys to hear this from your pastors, that we love that you're a part of this church, and we want you to be a part of this gathering as well. So if you hear anything during this time that you have a question about, please go and tug on the arm of the nearest parent next to you and ask questions and, and ask them to talk about that thing with you because I think that will be some really good conversation for the rest of today. All right, let me, before we get into God's word, let me just pray for us and then we'll get in, all right? Father, we thank you, God, for this time. What a gift it is that your people get to gather together, that we get to sing, we get to hear, we get to be under your word in this moment, that your spirit would guide us. I pray that you would do that, that your words would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would tell us what the next step is, that it would guide us in the season of uncertainty and confusion, that your words would be our steady anchor, our guiding light. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. I'm convinced that uh, runners are a different breed of human being. Uh, yes? Somebody agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, runners 
love doing hard things over a very long period of time, and they smile. They love it. They just love that. Uh, how many runners do we have in here? A couple. Okay. Runners online? I, <laughs> Cruz is like, nope, not me. Uh, <laughs> if my wife were in this room, she'd be raising her hand because she is a runner. She loves running. Um, I, on the other hand, am not a runner. I do not love running. I'm not good at running. And I tell this story a bunch of, uh, to, a bunch of times, but early in our marriage, uh, Caroline and I, you know, newlywed season, she was like, hey, would you run a half marathon with me? Newlyweds, still felt like I needed to prove something, uh, still felt like I needed to impress her, so I said, of course, I'd run a half marathon with you any day. Um, so I said yes. So we started training. In the midst of that training, another couple in the church actually, actually asked us to run another half marathon with them. And so she looks at me with like this, like, and I'm like, I'm trying to impress her. So I say, yeah, I'll run that race with you uh, again. So here I was, never having run a mi- more than a mile in my life. I am now running 13.1 miles twice in a matter of a few months just because I wanted to impress a girl. So, uh, but I'm ha- very happy to report that those were my last two races that I ever ran. Okay? And I learned a couple of things during that time. I learned that Caroline did not marry me because I'm a runner, okay? She is definitely a better runner than I am. I was dead weight during those races. Uh, she thankfully never asked me to run again. Um, and I'm happy to report 11 years in, we're still married. It's not because I'm a runner. Second thing I learned, running is hard, right? Running is hard. I think we all can understand that. Um, I like to think I'm pretty athletic. I, I love sports. I love being active. But running is not like other sports, okay? You um, are doing the same thing over and over again for a very long period of time. And then you do the craziest thing. You turn around and you do it all over again all the way back, right? It, it's a pretty simple sport. It's a pretty simple activity, but it's incredibly hard. And for me, it's kind of boring, there's not many highlight reels that you see of runners, right? If you go to House of Highlights, you don't see posts about runners because it's not very exciting because there's nothing brilliant about the act or form of running itself. It's only the result of running, only the goal for which you're running for that makes the run remarkable, I think that's why in our scriptures today and in the scriptures in general, running is one of the clearest metaphors for the Christian life. Um, Runners are truly a different breed of people. Uh, Runners uh, love, have this ability to endure hard things for a very long period of time. They have this ability to set their sights on a goal, a long-term goal, even at the expense of um, little to no glory in the moment. So... Whether or not you consider yourself a runner this morning, most of you said, I'm not really a runner. The scriptures tell you that you are a runner. The scriptures actually call you and I, as Christians, to keep running. And specifically in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul says, the only reason why he keeps running is because Jesus is worth every effort. Okay, so let's look in our our Bible this morning. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12 to 16. We're not going to stray far from there. So Philippians chapter 3, 12 to 16. Now, while you're finding it, 
Let me give you the context for where we are in the scriptures this morning. Paul just finishes in uh, the beginning part of Philippians chapter 3, one of my favorite parts of the Bible. He just uh, talks about all the reasons why he should be all set. Uh, He outlines his privileged birth. He says he runs with the right crowd. He says he's got prestigious training, that he has a strong pedigree, that he's got a strong performance track record. And these are all the things that should make him a standout human being that God should be proud of. But in verse 7, he says, none of that matters. None of that matters. It's actually um, worse than irrelevant. He says... All of that is straight trash because none of it compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. It's not his pedigree. It's not his performance that makes him a Christian. It's it's the person and work of Jesus Christ that saves him. So after Paul finishes telling us about the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, he then moves on into our passage here about his singular focus of following Jesus. So if verses 1 to 11 is about the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, verses 12 to 16 is about the singular focus of following Jesus. So let's take a look at the text together, okay? Verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Okay, if you're listening so far, you're like, Come on, Paul. Are you not going to tell us what that thing is, what you're aiming for, what you're trying to obtain, right? If you keep reading, it seems like Paul's pretty content on leaving it pretty vague, right? Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. What's it, Paul? Come on, tell us. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Why doesn't Paul tell us what that prize is? What is he running after? Well, the reason why Paul doesn't make it explicit in verses 12 to 16 is because he already told us in verses 7 to 11. Do you guys remember what the prize was for Paul? Verse 7, he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of what? For the sake of Christ. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That's the prize for Paul. Not knowing stuff about God or Jesus, but knowing Jesus. In fact, that, uh, it's highlighted in the somewhat confusing paradox of verse 12. Read that again. Remember, the prize is knowing Jesus. So read verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this, knowing Jesus, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. That's a little confusing. What are you talking about, Paul? You've been following Jesus for decades at this point. What do you mean you haven't obtained knowing Jesus? Don't you know a lot about Jesus? You're writing scripture right now. You're teaching scripture. You should know a lot about Jesus. What do you mean you're still working to know Jesus? Don't you already know him? Now, slow down here in this part for a minute because I don't want you to miss this. If you've ever loved somebody in your life, you know exactly what Paul's talking about in this moment. Think about a person you love, 
Maybe it's a child, a spouse, or a friend, or a, a relative, um, whoever it may be. We all have people in our lives that we say we love. We love them. We all have people we'd say, I know them. Stop. Like, what would you do if you love somebody? Would you stop hanging out with them? Would you stop talking to them? Would you stop calling them? No. While we might know them, while we might love them and know them, our love for them draws us even closer to them, wanting to know them even more, right? When you love somebody, you want to go get more intimate with them. Do you guys see it now? What Paul's saying is he's describing this tension, this real tension of a real-life relationship with somebody you actually love. Because by definition, love always pursues, right? Love never arrives. Love never finishes. Love lives in this tension of being both satisfied and pursuing satisfaction at the same time, right? That's what it means to love. And Paul's saying, I'm satisfied with Jesus. I love Jesus. But I also want to know more of Jesus because I love him. That's the singular prize that Paul's pursuing, to know Jesus because he loves Jesus. Okay, so what does that pursuit look like? How does Paul pursue Jesus? Look at verse 14. But one thing I do, I love when somebody just boils it down to one essential thing that you can learn, okay? One thing I do, he's going to give you a singular focus. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. That's right. Even my four-year-old right now on TV, he's pointing at the TV, he's saying, Paul, you told us you're going to tell us one thing, but you just told us two things, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. You said one thing, Paul. Well, Paul isn't lying because to Paul, it is one thing. He is so laser-focused at looking ahead that it means he's not looking back. Now, because I don't know too much about running, I had to do a little bit of research about running, and I have to rely on some experts to tell me. And I came across this awesome quote about the proper form of running that was so helpful. It was from this woman who's a professional runner, and she wrote this book about proper running form, and she basically says, more important than what you do with your legs is what you do with your eyes. In other words, running is about where you're looking. Here's what she says in her book. As important as a runner's legs are, his eyes. If a runner looks at his feet, his entire posture changes, and he fails to maximize his stride. If he looks side to side, he loses focus, and it knocks his stride off. If he looks back, his body shifts, and it slows him down, and he begins to drift off course. It's only the forward focus that keeps the runner going. I'm not even a runner, and I get that. It makes sense, right? This is exactly what Paul's talking about, right? If you want to keep running the race of faith, you have to keep your eyes looking forward toward the prize. Keep looking at Jesus. So the natural question is, where are you looking today? 
What are you looking at? Some of you guys have guilt and shame from your past that you just can't seem to shake. You might be in a season of good stride and running, but every, so, every now and then you, you tend to look back because you feel like that guilt and shame is, is still there to, to haunt you. And Paul's saying to you, you don't have to look back anymore. You don't have to look back anymore. I know you think that guilt and shame is going to come back to haunt you one day, but would you take hold of the good news of Jesus Christ, of the gospel, that he's already taken care of all of that? Would you make it your own, as Paul says? Would you seize it, capture it, take hold of it, and never let go? Paul says it himself in verse 12. He says, I'm not saying I'm already perfect. Right? If you know Paul, Paul's got a checkered history. He's got a checkered past. He's got things in his past that he regrets. He's saying, I'm not saying I'm already perfect, but what does Paul do? I press on to make Jesus my own. The gospel frees you to do that. Your past life is now dead and gone. You are a new creation in Christ today. You are free to take off your old self and put on your new self. You are a different person now. Now, some of you don't even know you're doing this, but some of you are veering off course at this very moment because you're busy looking side to side. You think you can run towards Jesus and you can keep your eye on that relationship, or you can keep your eye on those riches, or you can keep your eye on that reward. You think you can handle running after Jesus and trying to uh, chase rank in your um, career. But the scriptures tell us that it takes a singular focus to follow Jesus. I mean, Jesus said it himself. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Paul's simply echoing Jesus here. He says, forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. Now, that word strain forward or straining forward is a really helpful word. It actually only occurs here, never occurs again in the New Testament, uh, but it means to stretch out, to reach toward, to, to try hard. In other words, the Christian life takes great effort, takes great effort. It means you will be stretched out, it, and that's a good thing. You guys know the phrase, um, from couch to 5K? Yeah? Anyone attempt that? No? Good. Okay. I'm amongst brothers here then. Um, <laughs> it's this idea that only, uh, you, the only way that you can get to a, a run a race is you have to get your butt off the couch. You have to actually train. There's a, a training regimen to get you from the couch to a 5K, and it's this idea that you can't start running until you get up. You can't run sitting down. You have to move. You have to work up a sweat. And that's a picture that Paul is painting here as it relates to following Jesus. He says, you can't follow Jesus just sitting on the couch all day. If you're not, if you're not feeling the aches and pains of following Jesus, then might I suggest you're doing it wrong? Because following Jesus in our day and age means you're going to have some scrapes. It means you're going to be sore from using muscles that you didn't think you had. It means that you're going to find bruises in places uh, that are a surprise to you. 
And at the end of the day, guess what? You might even fall into your bed really tired. It's because followers of Jesus, we're called to love our neighbors, to seek the welfare of the city, to put others' interests before our own, to, to serve others, to lay our lives down, to, uh, to, to love our enemies, to, uh, take, to, to offer the shirt off our back, to show hospitality to strangers, to love and discipline our children, to love and respect our spouses, to um, be slow to anger, and to forgive on and on and on and on and on. And that's the life that really takes a ton of intentionality, am I right? Because naturally left to ourselves, we don't get there. We have to be intentional about that. We have to work at that. But please hear me, Seven Mile Road. Here in this text and all over the scriptures, the resounding theme is that Jesus is worth it all. He is worth it all. Jesus is worth your every effort. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, he says, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. My eyes are singularly set on Jesus, him and him alone, because he and he alone are worth it. And this is coming from Paul. He would say to every single one of us, man, I've given... um, I've been given all the worldly accolades. I reached every height. I've tasted fame. I've done everything you think you want to do. Yet none of them have satisfied me quite like Jesus. That's what Paul's saying in the, in the beginning of Philippians chapter 3. So Paul's running the race with his gaze ever forward on Jesus. How about you? What about you this morning? Are you running after Jesus today? Or has something else caught your eye? If you've been listening to Paul in Philippians chapter 3, he's been telling you, run toward anything other than Jesus and it will severely disappoint you. But when, when you run towards Jesus, you will be completely satisfied. Now, let me remind you why Paul makes every effort to follow Jesus and keep his eyes on him. Remember what he said in verse 12. But I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. I don't run to Jesus in hopes to one day catch up to him. I don't run to Jesus in hopes that maybe I can impress him. I don't run towards Jesus in hopes that maybe he can finally reward me for all of my effort thus far. No, I keep running to Jesus because he already ran towards me. He's already come to me. He's pursued me and made me his own first. And that's what makes me want to live my entire life making him my own. Seven Mile Road, the gospel is good news because Jesus has already made you his own. He loved you first. And if you've been awakened to that gospel and you now love him, you'll spend the rest of your life pursuing after him, running after him, wanting to know him more and deeper. Love never arrives. It always pursues. Seven Mile Road. Let's make every effort this morning for the rest of our lives 
running towards that goal of knowing Christ Jesus, making Him our own. Let's do that together, knowing that Jesus is worth our every effort. Let's pray. Father, what a gift it is to know Christ. It's not because we ran so hard and found him. It's because he gave up his life and found us. So, Father, I pray that we would grow to know him more, grow more intimate with him, keep running after him, keep focused on him, not uh, looking back on the things that uh, may haunt us behind us, but looking forward, making every effort, straining forward to make Jesus our own. Pray that you would bless us in that effort. Help us to know Christ and the riches, the depth of his love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.